Developing the Leader Within is a podcast that focuses on leadership, management, and career development. We nosedive into the areas that are holding you back from your full potential. Let us begin. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Developing the Leader Within podcast. I'm Enrique Acosta-Gonzalez, your host. And today I have another special guest. You know, we've been embarking in this five-week, basically, introduction to senior leaders that have done great things, are doing great things now after retirement, and also comprise uh, my group of advisors. And today we're going to be talking about leadership and values a very important topic. And I have Michael Jackson with us today. Mike, uh, thanks for being with us uh, and sharing your time. Uh, and we're just happy to have you. You're quite welcome, Enrique. I was, uh, I can tell you, I'm truly humbled and honored to, one, have been uh, uh, thought about in this capacity to offer you know, some perspective on uh, leadership and values. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to you know, the engagement today. So hopefully I can, you know, I can I can do it some justice today, and uh, and 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 folks will get something good out of it. You will, I'm sure. Um, hey, Mike, before we get into all of the good stuff that we're going to be sharing about values, uh, if you could just take a couple of minutes and uh, introduce your background, maybe what you're doing now uh, to the audience. Okay, so I'll start from the beginning. Uh, I I was uh, born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in '66. Uh, stayed there for about six years and then uh, moved to Columbia, South Carolina, where I was raised uh, for the majority of, you know, for my adolescent uh, life. Um, uh, right after high school, uh, thought I was going to be going off to college, Florida a University, got a scholarship. Ironically, for more of the business side of the house, nothing about nuclear power. Um, I was all about numbers and administrative type stuff, and I thought I was going to be a certified public accountant. Got down to Florida a and uh, my freshman year, and, re- and they realized that they had given out too much, too many scholarships to uh, most of the accounting majors and business majors. So they, they uh, presented us with options. Uh, Cover three years of our school, we had to pick up one, either our freshman or sophomore year. I was already homesick because it was the first time I was away from home. Uh, so I called my grandmother, who was raising me at the time, and, uh, and um, said, hey, I want to come back to Columbia, get my job back, and just go to the University of South Carolina. That was the plan. Uh, so I had about three, they came and got me, uh, had about three months before uh, um, I wound up uh, where I was just sitting around waiting on, you know, the fall semester to end and spring semester to start at Carolina. And a funny thing happened. All of the military branches, you know how the recruiters are, they bringing my phone because I'm, I'm not doing anything but just wasting my time at home. And my phone's ringing, your Air Force, Army, Marines, and the military was the least of my thoughts. I was like, no way I am joining the military. Uh, but I'll, I'll take a free lunch. So all of them took me out to lunch, gave me their spiel and what they can do. I scored pretty good on the ASVAB, so they were throwing all kinds of programs at me. Last but not least, the Navy came around and uh, and took me out to lunch, took me out to Red Lobster. So I thought I was eating pretty good at the time as an 18 year old. And uh, next thing you know, same day, they hit me with the nuclear power program and start doing that. And I'll, be, I'll tell you 
full disclosure, they start throwing dollars at me, uh, dollar amounts at me. And at the time, $20,000, you know, for potential reenlistment bonus, $4,000 enlistment bonus, uh, automatic advancement to E4, potential of being an E5 in two years if you start reenlist. Those numbers start sounding good for an 18 year old uh, back in 1984. The same day I was at the MEP station saying I do, <laughs> marrying the Navy. Uh, enlisted in a delayed entry program, was supposed to report June of the following year. Another funny thing happened. I got, uh, um, as I was waiting and waiting and waiting, I started getting bored. So I called my recruiter and said, hey, can you get me in to boot camp uh, right after uh, New Year? And he said, I got some good news and bad news for you, yes. I can get you in early, but it'll have to be day after Christmas. So I'm in Columbia, South Carolina, it's 80 something degrees on Christmas day. And I'm packing or packing a little bag and getting ready to go to Great Lakes, Illinois on December the 26th, my first flight and, uh, and land in the cold of Great Lakes in December. So that was a culture shock. Uh, went through boot camp. Did my A school there. Um, was already signed up for the nuclear power program. Uh, went submarines right away because I get seasick. So I did not, and I saw how sh surface ships rock and roll from the commercials. Um, so in a nutshell, did 20 years, uh, wound up doing 32 years of service in the Navy uh, after everything was said and done. First 20, uh, submarine nuke, uh, four different submarine platforms and uh, peppered with three uh, nuclear instructor tours at the Moore training ships in Charleston uh, in between all of those tours. 20 year point, thought I was gonna retire. I almost sound like Mick Pond Hurt. I saw his podcast and it was like deja vu for me because I heard him talk about, he thought he was gonna retire. A funny thing happened again. My wife knew that I wasn't ready to retire. So she gave me the, basically the okay to, don't come home until you're actually ready to come home. And that happened five times over. So I wound up getting selected for the CMC program right at my 20 year point. Um, after finish up my, finishing up my last nuclear instructor tour. Uh, and then I did five CMC tours, two aviation, one base, uh, the leadership schoolhouse, which you know where, where we first, I think we, our paths first crossed. And then uh, finished up at Navy Region Southeast uh, flag level CMC assignment. Um, after that, retired, obviously. I retired in December 2016 and um, uh, thought I was going to take, try and take maybe a year, year and a half off. Uh, my wife started getting tired of me and said, you have to go work because you can only cut the grass so many times a week. And I was in a competition with my neighbors and weather in South Carolina and Charleston is good pretty much year round. So you cut your grass all day long. Uh, seven months later, I started floating my resume out, uh, wanted to get back, as sick as it sounds, into the nuclear power program, uh, nuclear power community commercial. But I also knew that I wanted to do leader development at some point in time again, because I really love doing that. Uh, got hired on at St. Lucie Nuclear Plant in Jensen Beach, Florida, to go through senior reactor operators licensing. Uh, ironically, my class is actually conducting their audit exams and they'll be getting licensed next, uh, in December, hopefully. Uh, but this opportunity, so I did two years down at St. Lucie, 
Um, this opportunity presented itself to me last year, uh, August of last year, and I had to jump all over it. What better way to be in my bread and butter, which is the nuclear field uh, and doing leader development. So in my current role, I am a senior program manager in learning and delivery at the Institute of Nuclear Power Operations in um, Atlanta, Georgia, headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we essentially provide support. We're more like the ISIC, um, if, if that makes sense uh, from a military standpoint, um, to all of the, uh, uh, the commercial nuclear industry and nuclear um, sites uh, throughout the United States, as well as uh, we provide assistance and advisement and some oversight across the world as well. So our influence is felt worldwide when it comes to the nuclear industry. I teach learn, uh, uh, leader development, um, mainly for next level leaders, which from a military comparison would be more like the chief's mess um, training. So this is kind of like right up my alley where you get to work with the folks in the middle of the organization and give them some tools for their toolbox to take back to their respective sites. And you know you know how the rest goes. So I've been here for a year and uh, loving it. The only thing I'm not liking right now is virtual delivery of training. I, you know how, you know me, Enrique. I like, uh, I like moving my hands. I like looking at people in the face uh, to see what they're, I like challenging them directly to, to pull it out of them and get them out of their comfort zones in the classroom. And so I'm itching to get back in the classroom, but we are delivering virtual leadership training as well um, to, to still get it out to the uh, industry. And that's kind of where I am right now. Yeah, no, not only a, a wonderful and illustrious uh, career. I, I love that uh, similarity with Jim uh, McPawn Hurt. <laughs> Uh, because you know it's it's like that, right? You 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 yeah. do so good, you do well, uh, and people notice, and uh, or circumstances provide uh, the opportunity to continue to serve. And so, thank you for that. Yeah, the uh, I, I know you well as an instructor, so I know that you're itching to get back uh, oh, yes. into you know into the people because that's really where the dynamics really come out to play. Yes. Uh, you get to see people uh, right on the spot. You get to feel uh, their feelings by their actions or, or reactions to what you're saying. Um, and as an instructor, you kind of need that instant feedback uh, of the of the faces of the you know questions in the face. And uh, yeah. and I know how yeah. how how you operate well in that environment. Now today we're going to be talking about leadership and values. Uh, we for you mentioned we first met at the uh, CMC Cobb course mm -hmm. uh, when when I went up there. Uh, uh, it, it was it was not as cold as it was in Great oh, yeah. Lakes. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, it, was it was actually it was nifty. good. Yeah, it was it was good. And um, and you know, there's two things that struck me right from the beginning when we talk about introducing the the, the course uh, director, right? Uh, Michael Jackson, <laughs> right? Michael Jackson. Uh, I was waiting for a dance or two, but no, nothing came out. But, but uh, you know, immediately what I noticed was your poise, your poise, um, your confidence, and uh, your transparency. Uh, we, we, you know, at the leadership, and for those that don't know, I'm just explaining a little bit about the Command Leadership School. Command Leadership School is a school where 
all COXOs, so commanding officers, executive officers, and CMC, command senior chiefs, so command math chiefs, they go for their initial training before they go into the job. So we train before you go to the job. Right. <laughs> so that's a key. Right. <laughs> the key is to train people before you put them into the job. Um, I know not all opportunities uh, present themselves like that in corporate America, uh, right. but it would be a great model if you want to see some real good stuff come out of people. Um, but, uh, you know, I, so in that, in that environment, you're, you're surrounded by commanding officers, executive officers, and all kinds of CMCs, both afloat, air, submarine, uh, region, what have you, and all these different uh, uh, platforms that are represented in that course. Uh, and we all get together and we learn uh, not foundational leadership, but executive leadership, right? So this, uh, there are different uh, stages in your career where you learn different types of leadership, uh, but this is the executive level. And I, and I, and your transparency was so, uh, such a, a, you know, a breath of fresh air because you get surrounded uh, sometimes by some haughty leaders, <laughs> Yeah. Right. And 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 as we learn in school and, and as we know in practice, uh, that uh, that mantle of command and that authority uh, of command, um, you know, it's almost absolute as sometimes, you know, if, you, if you're yeah. not careful. Yeah. And uh, but to but to have you guys that already had uh, not only experience command and service in command, uh, but to teach us new ones coming in uh, into those roles was was such a great blessing. And so thank, thank you, you for that time uh, that you spent up there uh, definitely made an impact on me and hence why you are one of my advisors. And uh, folks, uh, you, you heard me say the last <laughs> four weeks, right? This is the fourth week of a five-week series uh, of, of military leaders and uh, advisors uh, uh, to me. Uh, and uh, Mike Jackson is one of the best. That's why he's there. So, uh, Mike, um, when when we're talking about values, right? Because this is one of those areas mm -hmm. that um, that some leaders struggle with. Uh, we we like it on paper, uh, but not so much on practice sometimes. So, what does values mean to you, uh, and how did that mold your career? Well, you know, it's it's kind of funny because, right? I remember um, one of my previous commanding officers, the, the last director I worked for at the, uh, at the leadership schoolhouse, um, Captain Mark Johnson, hopefully, hopefully he doesn't mind me uh, dropping his name. But we used to have a lot of fireside chats and, and he talked about values a lot. I don't know if you came through when he was up there. I think you came through and yeah. Captain Slotsky might've still been up there, but um, um, me and Captain Johnson used to have a lot of fireside chats where he would, we would talk philosophically about the importance of values, right? And one of the things that he talked to me about was, and, and Mick Pond Stevens used to do the same thing when he came up. I also, my, my, all of my time up there was during the time that he was Mick Pond. So I got to talk to him quite a bit. And when we talked about values, they always made sure that they drove the point home about when someone comes in the military, right? When they, when they volunteer to serve, before they get to boot camp, they have a certain set of values, things that are important to them in, in life that motivate them to do what it is they do. 
that, that make them prioritize how they're going to operate and how they're going to go after whatever it is, their goals, uh, taking care of their family, whatever the case may be. And off, more often than not, those values, are, you know, very few people, our values in the Navy, are, you know, uh, core values are honor, courage, and commitment, right? You don't necessarily, as an 18-year-old or, or a young adult, come into the military with the exact same values that the organization has, right? So there's a delta that exists and that then neither one of them, there's no right and wrong to it. What's important to you is what's important to you. But the important piece is getting in alignment, leadership, figuring out what it is that motivates that person, what it is at their core that is important to them so that they can, um, um, so they can unlock that, right? And they can, they can attach themselves to it, unlock it and help drive them to the end result, a win-win situation for the organization and the individual, right? Um, so for me, um, values is the starting point, right? I came in the Navy and I can tell you that I know looking back on things that the things I valued as an 18 year old and probably all the way up until the time that I was, you know, mid twenties, it took a while and someone holding the mirror up to me to get me to shift my values to be in alignment with what the Navy's values were at that time. Um, and they were a lot more, I, I can't remember the, all of the principles. It was more than our current three core values that we have, right? And uh, so for me, I was always focused on, well, the things I value, my, uh, my friendships um, before coming in the Navy, my family, um, which most people do, right? They still, everybody pretty much has that same common thread. Um, I value that it was more important to be liked and cool than to wear my uniform the right way, uh, than to clean up my, uh, uh, vernacular. Somebody's going to kill me for using that big word because they know I talk slang a lot. But, um, um, you know, because, you know, getting rid of my potty mouth, so to speak. And, and, but for me at the time, my first few years, the, what I valued was not in alignment with, we're not in total alignment with what the military, uh, that what our military values were. And it took quite a bit of, of prodding and, and, and breaking down my trust barriers that I had for, for the leaders above me to really work their way in to understanding what made me tick, what was important to me and why it was important to me. And then getting that into line with what, what it was the organization's values were. Um, so, so values are important because it's the core of what drives individuals. It's the core of what drives me to this day. I mean, that's the starting point for everybody. It dictates what motivates you. It dictates what your preferences are. It dictates um, um, how your personality comes out uh, because everything is centered and referenced on that. What is important, you know? Um, I don't know if I, you know, I kind of went off a little bit on that. The question was, you know, um, um, why, you know, why are values important to me and what does values mean to me and how, how does that mold my career? That really happened. You know, what, what, 
I couldn't say that early on it molded my career because it took somebody injecting themselves. I'm gonna drop another name here. Uh, retired warrant officer Ricky Sykes was my first mentor in the Navy. Um, I was uh, six years in, I, I transferred from U.S. Assignment Boulevard to, um, um, to uh, more training ship 35 in Charleston. And uh, he was my leading crew chief at the time. And he was a, you know, um, he was a people person, but blunt to the point um, and, 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 and held you accountable for representing. And so one day he had a conversation with me about values, ironically. I had been there for about a year. I, had, uh, I was already familiar with that platform having just come from a similar platform. So the nuclear propulsion plant and that platform was really easy for me to pick up. But leadership skills I was lacking. So at this time, you know, in the Navy and new program, we, we promote pretty quick. So I was already, you know, a first class petty officer, E6. Um, I would say I was an E6, not a first class petty officer, because I was not, I was not living the values of, of that. I was still too, still too important for me to be cool and liked by everybody as opposed to actually being a leader and, and an example. And uh, I remember, no, I was going on two years. So after the first year, I had already qualified everything. I was one of the top instructors. And every class that graduated, you know, he would always tell me, hey, you were voted most favorite instructor on our crew again. And, you know, so I pat myself on the back, like, okay, being that is important to me. But at the time, I didn't care about whether or not I was either sale of the quarter, sale of the year or anything. I didn't even know if my name was coming up for that because I didn't care. It was too more, more important. And I valued being recognized by each class, whether a certificate came with it or not. That was what is important to me. Did they like me? Do I hear my name being said as the, the, the favorite instructor? So what happened was, uh, I guess about, you know, right at my second year, sale of year board was getting ready to come on. So we were doing third quarter, sale of the quarter. And I didn't get selected, but I didn't know I was even put in for it. He pulls me aside after I got off watch, first half watch. He says, hey, come up to the LCC space. I want to talk to you. I said, all right, fine. I get up there and he, this is the first time that chief called me by my first name. He says, Mike. And I'm like, what's up chief? He goes, Mike, I'm telling you this as a friend and I am telling you this as your LCC. He said, this is what we call a mirror check on your values. He said, you don't value being a sailor. You don't value being a first class petty officer. You don't value he says, you're a great naval nuclear operator and supervisor. You're a great instructor. And that's it. And man, I swear, it hurt me to my core. So I'm sitting here and I got to take it from him, right? And I'm getting mad. He can see that I'm getting mad because now you're calling in, you're calling in, you're, you're saying that I don't value being in the military. I don't, I don't value the military. Uh, uh, discipline, the military protocol, military ethics and morals piece. And, and now you, you hit me, you hit me personally. So he, he says, I'm not looking for feedback. I'm telling you, this is what uh, he says, I'm, I'm gonna give you some data points. He says, I put your name, he says, you know how many times I put you in for sale of the quarter? I said, no, and I don't care. So attitudes coming out again, right? 
And he goes, three. He says, you know how many times you've come in last of the four candidates? Uh, actually, it was five candidates at the time because we had five crews. I said, how many times? He says, all three times. He says, you want to know why? I said, I know, but I, you're going to tell me. And he goes, he says, it's because every time somebody hears Petty Officer Jackson give him the checkout in a queue, an F-bomb being dropped. Every time now, he said, now, I said you were a great instructor, but that's not professional as an instructor. You know your stuff and you give and the students love how they love coming to you for checkouts, but your military bearing is way off. And, and he said, um, he said, so uh, three times you've come in last of all five candidates. You wonder why? I said, I don't care why. It's more important to me that I'm pumping students out there and ain't nobody coming, coming back from reboards. So my ego's getting me and everything. He says, okay, that's all well and good. He says, but if you want to advance. Now, what he didn't know, this was the first time he recognized that I didn't care if I advanced the chief petty officer. They were only rating one chief, one to two chiefs in my rate, machinist mate, uh, submarines uh, every year. So most nukes would just do eight years and get out and go to the new commercial nuclear industry. That's what we were doing. But that particular year, the reason he's having this conversation with me is that's the first year that they increased the quotas. So the quotas went from two the previous year to I think like 35 that year. Um, and he says, you would have, he says, have you seen your, your last two evals? I said, yeah. He says, you're, you're ranked number five and number six of 105 first class petty officers, yet you can never be sailor of the quarter or sailor of the year. So all you're doing is you're getting credit for how you teach, how you instruct, how you facilitate, but your military bearing is what's lacking. So that's why nobody wants to put your picture on the wall. And it hurt, Enrique, it hurt. He says, cause you don't value our, what, the, what we value as an organization, as, as nuclear power training unit, as the Navy, as a petty officer in the Navy. And I was like, wow. So I get home, he gives me, he says, when you think about that, and if, if you want to change some things, I'm going to help you out. If you don't stay true to who you are, you'll be recognized as a really good instructor that came through here of the hundreds and thousands of instructors that have come through here. And, and you will have impacted some people, but you probably will never know about it because nobody will ever see your picture on the wall. Uh, nobody will ever, you'll just be another instructor that came through that people liked and that's it. And you could do so much more to be valuable to the organization and as well as recognize your own worth and what you bring to the table. And it hurts. So I get home, um, ask my wife and my wife was like, why are you pissed off? I said, um, because my, because my boss called me a S bag, right? And that, he didn't call me that, but that's how I received it. And she, she looked at me, this is my first wife. She looked at me, she says, well, are you? And then I got mad again, cause I'm like, how are you gonna ask me that? That's my wife, right? And so and she just walked off and I was like, and that was the coolest thing because it really made me have to look in the mirror and go, what do you value? And why aren't your values aligned with the organizations? So I did a, self, a personal inventory and that day I committed to, I still wasn't the perfect sailor military bearing wise. You know, even as a chief, I probably wasn't all the time, you know. Um, but in the back of my mind, I knew that this was where I had to, I had to be all in. You know what I mean? 
And it wasn't about being the number one sailor. I was never the number one sailor or anything like that. It was about, it was about closing the circle, making, making it a whole 360 degrees in terms of who I was, recognizing what my faults and my flaws were, shoring them up enough where they weren't going to be fatal flaws um, or, 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 or the, the failures, the weak link that causes failure at that level of the organization. I went back and talked to Chief Sykes about a week later, and I said, what do I have to do? I said, I don't want to be sailor of the year. I don't want to be sailor of the quarter. I still want to be liked and respected, um, but I want to be a sailor. And that was the beginning of where I would say things. And I never thought about even making chief or senior chief or master chief, but everything, I, that was the catalyst that wound up starting me, starting me on, a, on the path of getting selected early for everything and having multiple choices to make when I was coming up on EAOS, um, multiple hard choices, which is a good thing to have. And as you can see, uh, I, and I told y'all during class, I've been getting out of the Navy now for seven reenlistments. And, uh, and finally it was time to go, but I always went back to that particular episode or, or uh, you know, time where the switch was flipped and, and I understood the importance of aligning my values uh, with the organization's values, picking up additional values that would make me a better person, a better sailor, a better husband, uh, a better father, the whole nine. And, uh, and, and that, that's kind of the core of it. I, I love that story. And I will over here taking notes, you know, writing <laughs> stuff down because as you talking, you know, things, uh, you know, just pop up in your head and, and that won't be the last story we hear because folks, if you know anything about <laughs> Mike Jackson, he could tell you some stories. He's got some good ones, but I, I wrote down a day of reckoning, right? Which is funny because when you talk about looking in the mirror, it's a, it, you know, it's hard. It's hard it to is. have that mirror in front of you, have somebody tell you what they see in the reflection. And you're like, hold up, that's not what I see. And 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 most times those great leaders, because you know, for folks that know ranking systems, right? He's he talked about chief, right? He talked about the chief talked to him, but then he says in the beginning, he started his story about chief warrant officer, right? So that means to me, the brother went up. Right. And so if the brother went up, he also took you up by his conversation. And that's what a true leader does. A true leader identifies the potential in a person, is able to course correct, at least provide some sage counsel where mm -hmm. they can look in the mirror, make some adjustments. And as they go up, that sailor or that member or that, that, that person uh, uh, goes up as well. And that's yeah. when you know you've done your job as a leader. When you can stand on one mountaintop, look at another mountaintop and see that protege or that mentee and say, what's going on? And, you know, and, and that's really where the, the, the joy of leadership yes. is capped, right? That's, that's where you get your, your, your most joy out of. But you, you mentioned, you know, when you was talking about values and you're talking about how long it takes, I was starting to think about corporate America. Some some have value statements, mm -hmm. uh, some don't. Right? I, I went into a, a job uh, site, and they had nothing. They they 
They had nothing. And so I questioned the leadership about value statements and, and mission and, and all this other thing. Right. Uh, and so I was able to help them with that and they had it. But <clears throat> just because you have a value statement don't mean that the people in your company share that value. Exactly. And that's what your story uh, brought me to uh, as a learning uh, tip for corporate America, those leading in, in positions of leadership. Just because you have it doesn't mean that you have it. Uh, collectively. And so you as a leader have to look at what you have. And if you don't have anything, well, that tells you a lot. But if you do have something, then are you living those values? Exactly. And are you able to identify those that are not and help them to make a decision, right? Because everybody's got to decide, right, but right. make a decision as to whether they want to align themselves with your values and stick around. And because those that align themselves with your values, you are happy to have. Exactly. Um, and those that don't, uh, you you should be happy to let go. Let go. Exactly. <laughs> right, right? Because exactly. if you can't, then you, you're keeping problems. But in any case, uh, values is so important. But the leadership piece is so integral in the in the making sure that values are executed by identifying and you cannot identify behind this, your desk folks you can't you can't <laughs> you, you can't do it from from zoom neither so it's, it's another <laughs> challenge now uh because we add in this cyber or this you know this virtual <laughs> element yeah. where you can't get that interaction and that's why i said earlier yeah, i know i feel your pain i'm a people person too i need that interaction exactly uh, uh, but but uh but this is great conversation and i love that you brought up that story uh because it leads us to the next question, which, you know, uh, how do you see values being part of leadership? Yeah, well, I kind of touched on it a little bit. I know I went back and forth on mm -hmm. the first question was more uh, about me personally and my values, right? And, 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 and why were they important to me? Uh, but I also dovetailed into leadership. I mean, it's a key piece, right? Because if you're a leader within an organization and it starts at the top, right? Uh, if you're a leader with or in the organization, you have certain personal values that you bring to the table. And most leaders, if they are CEOs, they're going to bring, they're going to establish and want to run their company based on their, their own personal beliefs, personal mor morals, um, and, and the things that they value that are important, right? Um, and, and hopefully that starts from the core with, with um, getting the trust of your people. You want to build an organization that where people trust one another, they trust their leadership, their leaders above them to do the right thing, and, and that their leaders value the same core personal type things that they do, right? And so, so it's important that one, you have to start with that statement. You just said it perfectly, right? You walk into an organization and an organization doesn't have values, and that's easy for us. If I go into any kind of organization that I work for and I don't see and I don't hear the boss talking about um, what's important to him or her, or what's important to the organization. And I'm not talking about the financial bottom line, right? A uh, great thing about my organization is we're nonprofit, so we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. We have to worry about how we spend money, but we don't have to worry about, um, um, we got to answer to other people, right? Um, and, and, and so, if money's not the bottom line that you're thinking about, you're thinking about how you impact people, how you can help people grow, how you can help people. I ideally want to stay in your organization, 
want to be megaphones for your organization and free advertising, it has to start with what you value, what you bring to the table, what your expectations and standards are for operations. And that has to be clearly communicated and articulated, right? But that's just at the top. The more important piece is do your next levels, right? Your executive levels, your middle level managers and leaders, and even all the way down to your first line supervisors, anybody that has supervisor on their name and above, right? The expectation is that they latch on to the values of the organization. But if they don't know them, if they're not, that, that, that means that they have to be communicated verbally, frequently, and the most important piece, you have to live them. That's the whole leadership by example piece. We say it as a cliche, right? Leadership by example. But the truth of the matter is, if there's a say do gap between what you say about what it is you value, and then you treat somebody else differently than how you say you value that same thing, right? You don't show it, then you've lost them already. You're pro they're probably just working for you because the pay might be good or whatever the case may be, but they're not bought into the organization because they're not bought into the organization's values. And so it, it's important that uh, leaders understand that they have to be able to communicate that and articulate it and personalize it, not just sound like encyclopedia salespersons or, or car salespersons, but, but it's important for them if, if I work for you, I want to see that what you just said about the company's values, I want you to be able to give it to me and how you tie it to your own personal values, how you align your personal values with that and do some storytelling to pull me in to make me understand why I should align mine. And that's what, that's exactly what Ricky Sykes was able to do for me. Um, I've had a lot of good CEOs um, that, uh, that I had fireside chats with. Um, I mentioned Mark, Captain Mark Johnson at, at Command Leadership School. I remember some of our fireside chats that we talked about these core things and, and he lived it, he breathed it. I, 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 I felt it when he said these things when we were having, I didn't even feel like he talked to me like I was a CMC. I felt like we were just two brothers in arms kind of talking uh, philosophically about these important aspects of leadership. And, and I think that's where it is. That's where the rubber meets the road. It, it boils down to leadership by example. Um, you have to exemplify the things that you hold important to you that drive you and motivate you to do and act and behave the way you do. You gotta be able to articulate that connected to the organization's values so that people understand. And then you'll get the followership and the buy-in and, and them accepting those values as well. But if you don't, you know what I mean? Uh, then, then you're gonna be an ineffective leader. And you're probably not gonna be, I mean, if the organization realizes that uh, you're not gonna be a leader within that organization if you're not communicating and living, and living the values yourself. Yeah, and the, key is, it, the key is, if it doesn't, and this is another piece of it, right? The key is, if it's a value that you can't totally get in alignment with, right? How do you reconcile that and still be able to 
articulated and communicated to your people with authenticity that this is something you wrestle with. So you, you, you have to be authentic and let people know that uh, tell your own story on how you got to where you were, not from a bragging standpoint, but how you changed your mindset and your behaviors based on how your values change and where you found conflict um, in philosophically, not, not 180 degrees out, but just philosophically in how you viewed something. How did you reconcile it and still stay bought in um, and, and into the organization and committed to the organization. That's, that's important as well, because people need to see that. People don't want you to just be a company, a company man or a company woman on, and, and you, you get paid to say that. You get a handsome salary, so you have to say that. Um, they need to see it, and they need to, they need to see some humility in that aspect of, of where do you have some hangups with, because if a CEO changes out, the organization's values might change out, especially in corporate America, right? And, and that could be, now you have a decision you have to make. What if they aren't in alignment? What if they're totally 180 degrees out from how the, uh, the previous play, uh, boss was and you really liked the previous boss? Now you got a decision. Well, can I readjust or is it time for me to go because I just can't get in alignment with that? Yeah, definitely a tough decision. Um, and, and that's why it's so crucial. As you was talking, I, I you know, I, I envisioned these things, right? I envisioned right. a CEO sitting in front of his whole company and talking about, let, let me talk to you about why these values mean something to me and, and give a backstory or give an example where they can tie you into it. And, and more importantly, if you can get yourself to say, and if you see me not living by these, I give you full, uh, full authority to come to me and tell me, hey, you know, what you did was not in line. And I, co I corrected myself, right. you know, because th that type of transparency, that type of openness, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you don't want to do that, but you do want to do that. You right. want people to understand that you're human. Uh, and just because you're the boss making whatever, and, and hey, in some cases, they don't make whatever, right? They make right, zero, right. <laughs> depending right. on the on the, the, the stage of their company. Right. But but why are these things posted everywhere? Why do you keep talking about them? You know, why are they so important? Uh, and, and then maybe you'll get some people to get on board a whole lot faster or a whole lot easier uh, exactly. than to try to figure it out themselves. And that's one thing that I seldom see I, uh, I've been at sites where the things are posted. Right. I've been in sites and I've looked in employee handbooks and that stuff is in there, right. but it's never talked about. So never you might as well it. never have it, right. <laughs> you know, uh, because it's not being talked about, it's not being generated. There's no buzz around. There's no knowledge around why these things exist. So I encourage exactly. all CEOs that if you're listening to this, uh, that you take maybe a step back and say, you know what, do I have values? Do I have those published uh, and do, and more importantly, do I live th those if they are published so right. that some people can follow uh, and, and get in line, but that's, that's wonderful. I love that. And, and so we, we, we get to a point where we're now, uh, we have our company, we're doing stuff We're we're in leadership, we're exemplifying it. And, and, but there might be some that hard, have that hard time aligning, let's say somebody else does, and there's some other values. 
how can you incorporate that? How, how would a leader incorporate those uh, values into their day-to-day or seek to incorporate those things into their day-to-day? Um, well, it, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because leaders that do it, right? It just happens. You, you, it's how you're naturally wired, right? You, the things that are important to you are the things that you wake up to and you go everything. It's like the North Star when it comes to navigation. Everything is pointed towards that direction, right? Uh, and and that's the reference point. So it's it's important for you to assess. Um, and I talked about this a lot at the leadership schoolhouse, where if if um, when you're aligning yourself and you don't have, uh, you know, what are your boundaries that you establish when you start drifting a little bit off course? What's your fix, right? Your your fix is your values, if that makes sense. And I'm talking in navigation terms, right? We take a fix on the North Star or whatever to get where it is we need, we want to go. So when you feel yourself drifting and compromised, um, not not necessarily compromised, but maybe starting to second guess whether or not uh, either your values differ from what the organization's values are or your values differ from your friends. And that's not even talk about organizations. Let's talk about your day-to-day life then you have a decision that you have to make in terms of, am I getting outside of my comfort zone? Um, let me take another fix to what is important to me. So I give you a case, I give you a clear example. And I told you I was gonna talk about this a little bit, right? So I just recently, um, uh, in, in preps for my, my current role, uh, I had to actually go through the course that I'm, I'm lead facilitator for and it's next level leaders, so middle level managers, right? Uh, middle level managers and director kind of level. Um, and what, and I had to take a conflict mode assessment. Um, I'm not going to give, give any plugs for any particular company, but it was a conflict mode assessment, uh, much like the Hogan assessment that you had taken at, uh, you know, but it's, it's a little bit scaled back. It's more just your conflict style. And when I, and you get your results back like right away. So when I reviewed my first report, I've taken it twice. I reviewed my first report. My first report came out that I was in the like uh, low 80, per, 80 percentile as an accommodator. And there are five different conflict modes, accommodator, compromiser, Peter, avoider. I can't remember what the other one is, um, but I'm an, I'm an accommodator, right? Um, which means I, I more often than not, I value relationships than results. Um, the second time I took it was before my wife passed away this year. So my wife passed away from cancer back in May and, you know, with COVID hitting and everything else, I was as, as bad as it sounds, I was fortunate enough to be able to work from home in Charleston where my home still was, as opposed to having to be going back and forth from Atlanta. Um, so I took this assessment. Um, again, um, um, right, right before she passed. It was when I was doing another, I had a class in March and uh, I decided to go ahead since the students were doing it, go ahead and do it because I start thinking differently about relationships. 
um, not just my relationship with my wife, but relationships in general with, with my friends, with my family. And it was eating at me because I didn't feel like, at that time, I felt like I was differing from what I said I valued. I said I valued friendships. I said I valued family. And I'm still wrestling with it, Enrique, um, because I, I'm a closet extrovert. I like my me time. I can get out and about, but I like my me time. So when I get off work, if I'm not wrapped in the work, I'm not, I, my time seems to just, I don't have enough time in a day to be on the phone with friends or to be on the phone with family. And, and my family let me have it too. So they, they're keeping me honest. But what happened was I took this assessment again. And the next time I took it, I was a hundred percentile meaning I answered every question that had to deal with accommodator, being an accommodator, the way an accommodator would. And, and that, that drastic shift of about, I think I was 82 percentile first. So I was high already. I was over the 75 percentile, but I was 100%, which means that I totally value relationships more than results. So if you put me on a team, of five people, and let's say all of us have different conflict styles, right? Somebody that's a competitor that wants to value the, the results more. Um, and then me, who is an extreme with relationships, let's just say it's a two-person team, me against a computer, 100% computer. We're not gonna get anything done because, um, well, we'll get something done, but it won't be on my terms. Right, it'll be on the computer's terms because I'm totally going to accommodate that individual because I, I don't want to sour the relationship. And so going through what I went through and what I'm still going through uh, with the loss of my wife, um, it, it made me think about what's important to people. And I'll put that over and you know, right, wrong, or indifferent my personal belief in terms of being an effective leader and what works for me is it starts with relationships. If you don't have to be extreme like I am 100%, but if you don't recognize the value of establishing relationships, building trust with people in your life, the people that you work with, uh, your boss, the people that work for you, um, then, then you're not you're not going to be an effective leader. Um, you'll, you might be profitable, but at what expense, right? You, you're gonna see your retention numbers and people not wanting to stay in the organization. So I think you really got to understand how to balance the, the competing values of results, get, getting results and relationships um, in that regard. It is a perfect assessment to take. There are plenty of Plenty of, I know, companies that do different types of assessments. This particular one um, was, was uh, very instrumental for me as I continue to navigate through what's important for me because truthfully, I still wrestle with it. So I need people, you know, to, to keep me honest on it. You ask, what can you do? And what kind of things can people do in their day-to-day -day lives? For me, I have to make it easy for folks to hold me to task. You know, my mother had a, uh, and she's gonna get mad at me if she sees this podcast. My mother called me on my birthday and she was a little bit selfish um, um, because she wanted to see me. 
and naturally, you know, my family doesn't get to see me in Columbia, South Carolina that often. Um, they value fellowship. They value breaking bread. I don't value it as much. I take it for granted, but the loss of my wife has made me think really long and hard about that and changing that behavior and that perspective. And it's hard for me because I'm still wired to, when I'm at work, I'm engrossed in work and I'll still put in a 12, 14 hour day if I have to, um, it doesn't bother me. But then when I get off, then I want my me time. I don't wanna be bothered. So my mother calls me on my birthday and says, um, I, I just need to tell you this. And this is, she didn't even say happy birthday initially. She said, she says, um, I, you need to come home more often. And I was like, and, and she was hurt, you know, and, and I got mad, man. I was like, I'm going back and forth to Charleston. I still have my home in Charleston. So I got to go check up on the house. I'm still working. I'm planning all of these things for these leadership seminars that we have to do and the potential travel that we have to do. And, and I'm like, I just don't have enough time. Back to if I valued relationships and family, right, then I'll make it happen. And I still wasn't making it happen. So I got off the phone feeling some kind of way. I didn't feel my birthday was all that special. I don't put too much emphasis on it. But I got mad because the thought process was, come on, Ma, you're going to do this to me on my birthday, right? And so I, I, out of guilt, the next weekend, I surprised her, drove to Columbia from Atlanta, and, um, and surprised until I was going to take her out to eat. Took her out to eat, and we talked, and she didn't back down. She said, I apologize for she did apologize. I apologize for what I said on my birthday, but I'm not apologizing that that I said it because I still feel that way and I want to see my son. And you know, I started crying and everything. You know, saying you got this on tape too, so somebody's gonna hear that. All my, all my colleagues and Mike Jackson crying, and because it hurt. You know, I I hurt my mom, and and uh, yeah, I get choked up thinking about it right now. But she held me accountable. So you talk about what leaders can do in day to day lives. Get yourself an accountability coach. Um, we talk about this at my current job um, to help you stay on course, to help you take your fix on when you start drifting away from the things that you said you value. If family is really important to you, if work-life balance is really important to you, um, then get somebody to kick you out of the office. And you know me, Enrique, even when I was at the schoolhouse, I was still at the schoolhouse, it's shore duty. And I was still working like I was on a sub or, or an aircraft carrier, um, like, like the, the work they did in there. I remember plenty of days where me and both of my bosses up there would be sitting there and it's six o'clock and I was a geographical bachelor. So, but I still didn't put any emphasis on the life piece of the work-life balance equation. And uh, my mom helped me to task on that. And believe it or not, some of my friends are holding me to task on that. Um, I got a plug right now with your podcast that I would ask some of my, you know, I feel guilty. I value, um, I value my, my place and what I should be doing to give back um, to the folks coming up behind us um, that are serving now, right? And that are getting ready and deciding to make the transition to corporate corporate America. How can I do that? And I need people to hold me to task on it and be unapologetic about it, whether that be shoot me a Facebook 
message, you know, I am on Facebook or LinkedIn or, or uh, uh, email or text or whatever the case may be, um, and be unapologetic about it. I might get in my feelings for a minute, but I'm telling you what, what, what holds me to true to that is I'll think about it afterwards and go, hey, yo, you, you said you value, you value your relationships, you value your friendships. Um, I don't wanna just call, call people shipmates. Uh, the people that I really love serving with, I wanna be able to say they're my friends and I got to get better at that. So I need an accountability coach. I need my colleagues to say, hey, Mike, man, you need to get out. You need to go do this. Uh, did you go see your family this weekend or whatever the case may be? Um, because, you know, and back to the comparison with the fact that I lost my wife, it really makes me think about, you know, time is a valuable commodity. Uh, we value it, but we take it for granted sometimes as well. So uh, you, you need ask for that help and allow people that latitude to give you that help when you find yourself drifting a little bit with that. With the things that come naturally for you, just keep doing it. Keep that as your North Star and your fix and take your fix on that and continue moving forward with it because now you're doing the leadership by example, the living by example piece. And I guess the last thing that I would say on that is, is uh, you talked about this earlier and we talked about it before we kind of, we, we went kind of official was the humble piece, right? I have three things that I used to, if you remember, I wrote up on the board um, the last day of class, or the first and the last day of class up in Newport. It was, um, uh, you know, leadership is about influence. Um, the first question I asked was why would somebody want to follow your lead? And then the, sec the, the, the last thing was aha. And I said, I'll talk to y'all about what aha means at uh, the last day of class, but just write it down. And so I'll, I'll touch on it real quick here because it does get back to the, uh, the values piece, right? The, you know, the aha, the first day is approachable. Are you approachable? Are you as approachable as you think you are? Will people walk up to you and feel comfortable talking to you about the things that they have issues with, uh, the, the things that they are wrestling with and challenges with within the organization, within you as a leader? Um, do, you, do, you, do you have that uh, open door that really is open, um, figuratively and literally, right? Um, if nobody's bringing anything to you, then you might not be as approachable as you think. Um, humble. We talked about eating that humble pie daily. And I would say take, take, take small bites every day. You don't have to eat the whole slice. You don't have to eat the whole pie. But keep a pie baked and, and eat a piece of it, uh, you know, periodically throughout the day and have some humility and shame about your stuff. Um, recognize that things are way bigger than you. It's not just about you. Be a little selfish when you need to, but recognize that, you know, um, Mick Ponder talked about this with the servant leadership piece and the service piece in general, right? It, as a leader, it ain't about you. It's about serving your people and the true essence of servant leadership. And I don't mean that in a biblical sense. I mean that more so in a, you know, I work for you, you don't work for me. Have some humility uh, about you. And I like the inverted pyramid thing that he talked about in his podcast um, about, you know, you're the leader at the bottom and, and everything, and you have everything above you. 
that is resting on your shoulders that you are supporting. Um, that's important. And then the last piece is the awareness. And I, I talked about self-awareness. If somebody else has to tell you that the emperor is walking around with no pants on, then, um, then you are way behind the power curve in that regard. Have enough self-awareness of what your flaws are when you're drifting off of your core values and be able to get yourself back on course before somebody else has, has, has to do that. Uh, that's probably the piece where a lot of leaders fail the most is somebody has to tell them that they're, they don't have any pants on. And by the time they do that, they've already done something that's gotten them in trouble. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> no, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to, uh, to that um, and, and wholeheartedly agree. Uh, only solidifies the, uh, <laughs> my, my selection of my uh, advisor because I, I tell you. I'm part of a, a group of heavy hitters, man. I'm, I'm humble and uh uh, was a little bit nervous today uh, before we came on, man. I was like, I hope I can do this some justice and, and people get something out of this when I saw the lineup. So I, I hope I'm holding my holding my own in the bat in the batter's box here. Well, you you definitely have, and uh, you know, uh, folks, that uh, we were we started this, uh, and I told you right, it's a five week uh, uh, highlight of of true leaders that I I believe. Uh, have not only uh, impacted my life, but continue to impact my life uh, and as well as advisors. But, you know, I wanna, I wanna recap to some things that I was writing down as you was talking <laughs> and, and, and talking about values, which is, uh, you know, folks, uh, you know, and just a real quick summary, and, and I hope you listen to all of the things that have been said, but a fix, you know, have a fix, have, have your true north, those are your values. And then, uh, you know, when you uh, go back to that periodically, make yourself check those and check yourself against those. Uh, number two, uh, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror, right? We just talked about pants down. <laughs> but realize it yourself, awareness. Get it, get, it, uh, get it to yourself first. Say, oh, wow, before somebody else does, because guess what? Everybody knows. Uh, everybody knows where you are and where you stacked up with values. Um, if you're in a company and you're the head, uh, remember that not everybody could be aligned with your values. You need to check that. You need yes. to go and check that. But the very first check is your, is your check, <laughs> right? Exactly. So look in that mirror, check, make sure you align because that's the only way you're going to get other people to align. And then we was talking about values and I wrote and I was writing down, man, what, you know, what are, what are minds immediately, right? In mind right now, as I'm listening to Mike Jackson and he talked <laughs> about values, what are minds? And I wrote truth. Uh, truth is primal for me. I, if, if it does not revolve around truth, then it's a lie. And I don't want to have no part of it, right? People. People are my joy. And, 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 you know, we're in the leadership business because people, we are interested in people getting better, becoming the best version of themselves today, right? And so people, accountability, which is part of your, you know, uh, 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 of the conversation of, hey, we need that piece. 
because, you know, uh, sometimes you can go astray. And having all the best tools at your disposal and all the education under your belt, still you can go straight. So accountability, execution, right? Because if, if you can learn all this, but if you can't execute it, why, why for? Mm-hmm. Uh, and lastly, uh, celebration, right? Which is uh, I want to end that, uh, end this uh, my uh, my little chat here with uh, celebration. Um, um, I uh, I celebrate you, Mike. I celebrate, you know, Mick Pond Hurt. I celebrate, uh, you know, uh, Boris uh, Bolano that, uh, you know, that just was the last podcast. Um, you know, John Minyard, you know, Fleet John Minyard. I celebrate him and I celebrate uh, Mick Pond, Dwayne Bushy. You, you guys, and, and Dwayne is next. Uh, and uh, and I'm looking forward to that. But you guys have. I'm looking uh, forward to hearing him. <laughs> he was a guest speaker at my uh, my at my uh, birth uh, CPO birthday ball in Charleston. When I was the base CMC there, and uh, he he could, he's he's a good talker, so I like him. <laughs> well, I mean, but I celebrate you guys. Um, I thank you from the bottom bottom of my heart for. Uh, you know, putting up with me and, and advising me and, 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 and your, and your uh, role with triad. And uh, you guys have been a, a great joy to have around and, and, and I love being surrounded by you. Uh, and uh, I hope that everybody listening has uh, surrounded themselves with key people that will bring the best out of you. That is where values really come to life. Uh, you can have your own values, but um, look at other people's values. And if they align, hey, start, uh, uh, you know, amassing your core five, if, if I may, uh, because uh, it's important. Uh, and leadership to execute values, uh, you need a team, uh, but you need, you need that, you know, you need the mirror, you need your true north, and I won't go over the list again, but um, I hope that this was an enjoyable podcast for everybody. Uh, Mike, thanks again. Uh, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how, how can they do that? Uh, multiple ways. Um, obviously, I'm on Facebook as Mike Jackson. I know there's a million of us, but uh, I'm, I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. You'll see me along with my, uh, uh, my queen uh, still in the background on my photo if you're looking for me. Um, so you can IM me through Facebook, um, LinkedIn. I have two different profiles on LinkedIn. I still have my old profile that has me and my military uniform, but uh, the most current one that I use is uh, uh, just has me, uh, matter of fact, with my shadow box uh, uh, in a business suit. Um, and then, uh, uh, or at my email address here at Institute of Nuclear Power Operations, Jackson MK at MPO, I-N-P-O dot org. Um, my personal email address, mjbins2000 at yahoo.com. And I'm not gonna get my phone number out over 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 that, but they can hit me up via email that way. And most most folks that know me already have my phone number, so they know how to get at me or point somebody in the right direction. All right, folks. So uh, thank you, Mike. And I'll put some of that information as part of the video, so you'll be able to uh, know how to contact him. Uh, but uh, Mike, once again, thank you for being with us, and for all of you, you know how we uh, how we love to end this show. Success to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'd love to hear suggestions for our future shows or any remarks you may have that will help us improve. 
Until then, success to you.